Welcome to Sonic Artifacts, offering the best deals and interesting finds in affordable vintage music equipment across America. This week on Interview Series, we sit down with Rick Calhoun of Honey Picks. Based out of Taylorsville, North Carolina, Rick and his brother Andrew offer a wide variety of shapes, sizes, and colors for every musician's guitar pick needs. Often overlooked, this piece of gear is actually critical and that it's the first place of contact between the player and the projected sound. This is your host, Brian Chalemi, signing in from Manhattan. And your co-host, Max Braun, signing in from Brooklyn. Rick, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. How are you doing tonight? Hey, I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, Just got back from coaching my girl softball. So I'm exhausted, but happy to be here. Oh, awesome, man. Yeah, again, appreciate you taking the time, man. And, uh, you know, super excited to talk about picks. You know, we, we've covered all different aspects of the gear world, and we haven't touched on picks. And you're a super awesome, you know, young company, having, you know, awesome w- variety of picks to choose from, man. So how did this all get started for you and your brother? Uh, well, I guess it all started, um, me and my brother worked together at the this small electronics manufacturing company here in Taylorsville, North Carolina. And when 2020 happened in March, um, whatever, everybody knows what happened. COVID happened and things slowed down. They slowed down here at the shop too. And we had recently got a laser machine in that we were going to do date codes for some of the products that we had at our business. And we had some laser piece or some uh, acrylic pieces laying around. And my brother, I can't remember if it was actually my idea or my brother's idea, but he's like, why don't we use the laser and cut out a pick out of that acrylic? And I was like, that is a great idea. And so with that, I got on the computer on a CAD program and drew out a pick real quick and gave it to him. And he cut it out on the laser. Uh, he cut it out and I, I got it. I took a Dremel tool and I attempted to bevel this pick and it ended up, I mean, it was pretty butchered. It was crude <laughs> and ugly and just, really really bad but i thought it was cool and uh so many many iterations after that many hours of uh you know trying to perfect it and get it right i think we're making a pretty decent pick now but that first one i made was pretty rough but yeah that's about how we got started with it that's awesome man so what do you like go out to the store and like get all the picks and be like all right here's the option sizes like what are materials are we talking about you know really digging into the pick well i bet you had a couple months of research right oh well i mean i'm i'll be 36 next month and so i started playing guitar when i was 15 and ever since from like the very beginning i remember being in the store when i when my mom and dad bought me an electric guitar at a pawn shop and I needed a pick. I didn't even know what kind of pick to get. And they had, you know, the typical assortment of Dunlops, Tortex, and Fender Mediums and things like that. And I didn't even know what what should a beginner guitar player get, a thin, a medium, a hard. I didn't know what any of that meant. So I just got like a, you know, a variety of Dunlop Tortex and Fender Mediums and, and played those for a long time. But I was always intrigued by you know, the different type of picks. And I guess when I was in, I must've been in college. I must've been around 19, 20 years old. And I discovered V picks out of some guitar magazine, I think it was. And they had a variety pack and they were like 20 bucks, which 20 bucks to me in college might as well have been 200. But somehow I scraped, I scraped up 20 bucks and I ordered this variety pack. And uh, when they came in, it was really cool. Uh, I remember getting these, these first thought was these are super thick. They were like three millimeters and I was used to like a fender medium and they felt huge, but they looked really cool. And so I tried them at first and my first impression was they're cool, but I can't play with a pick this thick. It just don't feel right. But I gave it some time, I guess after a week or two, I got to the point where I felt really comfortable with it, you know, and, and I got to the point where I didn't want to play anything else. Um, so I played V picks for a long time, but even after I got the V picks, I was still curious about picks and I tried out the Dava. I was really into the Dava picks. They were really cool cause they had that rubber grip on them. And then I tried, um, all the prime tone stuff that came out from Dunlop. Those were all great picks and they made those in some thicker, um, options too. Uh, and gravity picks came out after V picks. And I got to, I got hit to gravity pretty early. Um, 
I, I was I was on the gear page back then. This is before Facebook. And Gravity Picks, the owner, I believe his name's Chris, was actually giving away some picks to guys in the gear page just to see if you know you like them or whatever. And I actually got some free, you know, two or three free picks in the mail from the guy. So that was awesome, you know. You're on the pulse of picks right there. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, no. this is already crazy, man. I've never done any of this stuff about picks. <laughs> like, I just bought them. That's it. <laughs> so I got on that and and played those. But I mean, I've played all kinds of picks, all kinds of materials, it, picks for all the way from like twenty five cents. And the most I've paid for picks, I've for one pick, I've paid up to like fifty bucks a pick. So. I mean, it just ranges all over. For years on Craigslist in New York, there was a guitar pick that was made from an asteroid, and it was like two hundred dollars. It was for sale for like oh. years. <laughs> you remember that, Brian? Did I ever? I, send I'm that trying to. I don't know. I I don't really it remember was like that. An but that asteroid sounds asteroid awesome. carved into a guitar pick. <laughs> I don't think anyone That's ever bought crazy. it. It's probably for sale somewhere. I don't know. Yeah, I guess with that, with that pick, you only have to sell one, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if yeah. Do you carve the whole asteroid into picks, or do you make multiple things out of it? What do you do? (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) That's awesome. Like uh, like I said, going into the materials and things like that. You know, obviously you have to source and figure out. You know, you got the laser cutter, right? So you can cut the picks, and then at that point, it's like the type materials and then the branding. I love the backstory of uh, the name. If you wouldn't mind telling the audience. Oh yeah, well, honey picks. That came to be because, well, for one thing, I, you know, I had some friends of mine's like, it's so, it's so obvious, call it Rick's Picks. And I'm like, no way. That sounds so cheesy. They, no way I'm not calling it Rick's Picks. <laughs> but I wanted it, I wanted it to be, I wanted it to have something to do with local, you know. And so locally, uh, in this area, I, I live in a very rural town uh, and a lot of, a lot of farming. And a lot of, uh, you know, chicken houses and and farmland and all kinds of that. But one thing that we do have, Taylorsville is actually known as Apple City. And Apple City um, is, is for all the apple orchards that we have. For some reason in this area, we just grow apple orchards. You know, apples grow really well and they taste great. But one vital part of that apple orchard is... The bees, uh, the bees go around and you, you know how that works. They spread the pollen, they help pollinate the trees and keep all the apple orchards healthy. But the best thing about these bees is they produce the sweetest honey. You know, it's just, it's the best. And I have terrible allergies and this honey, when you get local honey like that, it actually helps to take, to eat that honey, like a teaspoon of honey every day helps your allergies. And so I've been doing that for a long time and I just got to the point, I was like, you know, that's actually, I don't think anybody's done that yet. You know, I, I knew of B-tronics in the um, pedal game, mm-hmm. but I didn't know anybody in the pit game that had like a honey or a bee theme or anything like that. So that's how that came about, just honey picks. And I thought it was cool and I thought we could make a cool branding around honey, you know, with the bees and the different things like that. So that's how that came to be. That's awesome, man. You know, I love all the names. Like you have such great, the very Southern names. It's pretty awesome. Like, so who come up with like, who come up with, who came up with that? Cause you have like the, I guess a lot of it's bee related, honeycomb, queen bee, hornet, honey jar, beekeeper. Yeah. Awesome. That was pretty much, that was, I think most of the names I came up with, my brother may have came up with some names. Like I think he came up with smoker and, and maybe queen bee and things mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, I mean, I was just trying to keep in theme with the the honey theme, you know, just yeah. try to name everything around it. And I guess I was kind of inspired. I'm I'm a huge pedal nerd. I love guitar pedals. And I've always been really intrigued with like uh, those simple icons that JHS have on their pedals. And I've always liked that simple look. And I kind of wanted to do something similar with the picks instead of just having the name Beekeeper written written out. I wanted to have a little image of a beekeeper on the pick, you know? And so that, that's how that came to be. I should ask what your respective roles between you uh, and Andrew, your brother in the company. Okay. So yeah, 
I definitely couldn't do this without my brother. He is definitely more the engineering mind and I'm more of the business mind and um, more of the like personal skills with, with the customers and things like that. My brother takes all the orders when they come in and he cuts everything out on the laser. After he cuts everything out on the laser, we have to, you know, some picks have to be uh, painted and we sand them. We, we both sand them. He takes them down to the correct thickness and I sand them down. Then I do a, a rough bevel and then we'll both take them home and hand bevel each, each pick. And that's a pretty, that's a pretty long process to do that. But I think that's what, you know, really distinguishes our picks from other makers. Um, but he, he's pretty much the engineering side and I'm more the business side, but together we're a really good team and it's really cool to be able to do something with my brother too, you know. Older or younger brother? Uh, my brother's four years younger than me. So cool. And you guys both have twins, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. (laughs) Crazy. Yeah. I, my, my girls, I've got, my twins are nine years old. That's where I just came back from softball coaching is coaching them. And then my brother has uh one year old twins. So yeah. Wild. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's a twins thing might be a genetic thing. I think, I don't know. They yeah, say I, some, some families have a lot of twins. They get it like a, yeah, it's pretty I cool. Mean, I mean, my mom, my, my wife's dad was a twin, but then on my side, like my brother's side, the only twin that we know of is like my great grandfather was a twin. Mm. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's awesome. You get, yeah. The two, two for one, man. That's what you have two beautiful kids now, you know, like, uh, cause of that, you know, it's yeah, awesome. we got, we got, you know, double, double less sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's like, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> totally, man. I didn't realize they were all handmade. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. It's pretty time consuming. You know, it's definitely a labor of love. I do a rough bevel with a uh, belt sander and then I go home. We split them each night. My brother takes half and I take half and we spend two hours every night beveling picks by hand, you know, and then when we get back in the morning, then I got to buff them and then we got to clean them, inspect them before they go out. You know, it's, it's, it's a big process, but that's what, you know, when, when people talk about true boutique companies, I feel like that's, that's a true boutique company. You know, that's, that's somebody that's taking their time on every order and really working hard to make sure each pick is is as, as important as the next, you know. So the larger companies, it's like all machine done, cut, you know, beveled and that kind of thing. No, not all the not all big companies. Both, uh, from what I understand, B picks and Gravity picks both do do some hand beveling. I'm, I'm not sure to what extent that they do, but I know that they have kind of a kind of a similar um, similar thing, but, but people like Dunlop and Diadario and Fender, m- pretty much 99% of that is all done by machine and they can stamp them out in the thousands at a time. And, uh, and there's an art to that too, you know, and there's, there's a lot of money that goes into machine and all that equipment, but it's, it's not the same as sitting there with your, you know, your hand and doing it by hand and, the attention to detail for all that. So, well, every customer, you know, every pick has been handled by you, you know, and your brother, you know, through many stages. So it's got to, you know, it's it's carrying that along with it, you know, and what's very different than the a machine, you know, which has no human contact, I guess. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that's a big difference. And, and the way that you shape your pick, like the tip, if you look at a guitar pick, if you, if you're to, to get a, you, you can pretty much think of as a guitar pick, like an EQ tool. That's the first thing that hits the guitar strings. And whether that, how thick the pick is, if the tip is rounded or pointed, how far that the tip, if it's, if it's honed out like this compared to honed out like that, it's going to be a completely different sound. There's so many different things you can do with a guitar pick to change your tone that is overlooked and people just don't think about. 
Yeah, I never really thought of I mean, I always knew like when I needed new picks, right? I'm like, God damn it, I got all these rounded out, worn out picks, but <laughs> I kind of just never changed what I bought. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, it's the same thing with guitar strings. Yeah, you exactly. Know, I'll I'll have I'll have some guitar strings and after a few months I'll be like, man, my tone is just like dead sounding, you know, just and try different pedals out and all you have to do change the strings. Oh, all that brightness is back in my tone again, you know. It's it's a similar thing with guitar picks. If you want a brighter tone, you can get a different pick. If you want a darker tone, if you want something punchier, something with more volume. You just change your pick. It makes a huge difference. Yeah, we actually interviewed a while back. Was it Stringjoy, Brian? Yeah, String Company. Yeah. yeah. Are they called Stringjoy? Yep. Stringjoy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all like, you know, super boutique strings, which I had never heard of before that. They're out of Nashville. Oh, yeah, Scott. Me and Scott are friends. He's... Oh, amazing. I, I've, been using, great. I've been using his strings since way early on. I, wow. Yeah, and he... They're my favorite strings. I've... You know, what happened was to get to that point, I was using Ernie Balls for years and loved the Slinkies. And all of a sudden, like two, like all those years that I used Slinkies, I never broke a string. And I'm a, I'm like a blues player, like a blues rock player. So I bend strings all the time when I play. And I ended up breaking two strings in a row. Like, like I had two packs and I broke the B string in both packs within like, a month. And so about that time string, I heard a string joy and bought their strings and I've been hooked ever since. I love their strings. Yeah. It's awesome. Now I use them now too. Yeah. It's like, once you go there, you can't really go back <laughs> to anything yeah. else. And it, and he, he, he has a similar thought process that I do. You know, he, he really wants his strings to be the best option out there and he strives for that. And you can tell. You know, Scott had actually talked about, uh, you know, some pushback from the string community. Is there any pushback from the pick community? Mm, not really. Actually, the pick community is very close. You know, you hear about these guys that are like build pedals and like there's this huge pedal community and uh, like Wampler knows JHS, knows Earthquaker devices, and they all get together at these parties at NAM and have a good time with each other. It's very similar with the pick community. like we all get together and help each other out. Um, if we've got questions, there's a couple of veterans that have been in this game for a little bit longer than other guys. And we always try to help each other out, you know? So yeah, it's a, it, it's a great community. And there's always like that one or two guys that are, you know, stuck up or trolls or whatever, but <laughs> the, good, the good outweighs the bad by far. Right, well, that's great to hear. Yeah, no, that's the only time, honestly, that I've ever heard about the gear community being weird was the string, the string world. <laughs> yeah. So, what do you make your picks out of, and what do other companies make their picks out of? Because I know that there is some variability. Oh yeah, like uh, when you start out with picks, like most of the things that you'll get at the uh, guitar store, the typical stuff is like celluloid and like Delrin um, and those types of things, or nylon. Those are those are probably the three most popular uh, types of picks, and they're all soft plastic, so they wear really quick. But they have a, a certain tone to them too. Um, I use like our standard line of picks is made from acrylic. There's a few reasons for that. Uh, number one, it's easily easy to cut with a laser. Cause you got to think I'm using this laser to cut stuff. So I can only use materials that the laser cut unless I want to hand cut everything. And there are some things, there are some things that I have to hand cut, um, like really thick, really like some customers want nine millimeters plus size, if you can imagine that. And so things that my brother will cut out by hand with a, like a, a coping saw. So <laughs> these are like custom orders, I guess. <laughs> yes. Yes. Those are custom. We, we'd have no way of being able to fulfill all those orders by hand. They just take too long. Um, so we'll use acrylic and we'll use uh, this material called Kiranite, which is a type of uh, acrylic, but it's hardened and it's really cool because it's got these cool looking swirl finishes in it. Um, and it's a little bit warmer than acrylic and it has a, a nice kind of, a little bit more 
uh, rounder tone than acrylic will. Acrylic's very bright, but then we'll also use resin. And if you've watched, if you've seen my Instagram on uh, honeypicks, it's honey.picks on Instagram, you'll see some of these really cool looking picks. They got a bunch of different colors of swirls and all that. And resin is softer than acrylic. So it doesn't last as long, but it has a much warmer tone and it also just looks awesome. Like it just looks really cool. You know, it's kind of like it's, it's eye candy for guitarists, you know, but it does have a tone with, um, with resin that you can't get out of acrylic. Even, even when you change the, um, the tip and try to make it as warm as possible it'll never be as warm as, as resin will. Uh, another one of my favorites is uh, this material called tagua nut. Now, tagua nut is also known as vegetable ivory. It's a nut that's grown in palm trees out of South America. And these nuts are, uh, they're pretty, they're pretty big. I guess they're like uh, two inch, two inch diameter, something like that. And um, you slice them up and cut them up, but they are hard as nails i mean and they last forever the only and they have amazing tone they have like a a very balanced projecting tone like you get more volume out of this pick than you'll get out of most other picks i can cut those out with a laser but the problem is when you finish those that nut is very very slick so we have to put grips on both sides so it don't slide out of your hand and once you do that I mean, it's, I know a lot of guys that have got the tag one and they love it and they don't, you know, they'll just keep ordering that. Um, Wait, how do you spell tag It's T A G U A. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so that, that's a really cool option. And then, uh, another very popular option that we have, um, is Kaysen or Galilith. Um, Kaysen picks are, if you know what casein is, it's like a milk protein. Well, the way you make a the way you make a sheet of plastic out of that is you cure it with formaldehyde, and you let it sit. It's a very very early plastic process that was used um, to make buttons and things like that way back in the day, like early 1900s. And so we we got this material, and we make picks out of it, and as people love it. it. It lasts a long time. It's uh, It's got a lot of the different colors that you can get. It's got swirly patterns and all that. But like Tagua Nut, it has a very projecting tone. A lot of people say that it's very similar to original tortoise shell. Um, like a lot of, a lot of guitar players back in the, you know, before you could hunt down turtles and use their shells, used to make picks out of the tur- turtle shells. And a lot of guitar players really love that tone, especially bluegrass players. And um, that's been very popular for us. And uh, it not only sounds great, but it looks great too. And it shines up really nice. It's really easy to work with. They're all beautiful, man. Really cool. And it's really amazing to hear that, you know, again, every single one of these that we're looking on the website that, you know, you guys touched and sanded down and made sure it was perfect. Is there any uh, unique shapes that you guys have come up with in, in your uh, quest for pick research here? Oh yeah. There's a, my, now my brother doesn't play guitar, but he actually came up with an original shape. Um, if you, if you know what the queen, if you look on the website, you'll find a queen bee and the queen bee has like this, this geometrical shape to where it's, I guess it's one, two, three, four, it's six sided. And the way he got it was he started out with three triangles. I have no idea. And if you look at it, it it's kind of like a, a pointed shield kind of look. Yeah, it's like the shield um, in Zelda or something. Yeah, yeah. And that would make sense because he's a huge game nerd. So maybe that's where he got it from. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he doesn't play guitar. But yeah, he, he loves the video games. So maybe that's where it came from. But um, he made it and I thought it looked cool. I thought, yeah, let's let's go ahead and see. um what this is like and it actually makes a great pick and it's very comfortable in the hand and it's just cool because it's different than what you'd normally see you know another cool pick that we make that's different is the honey jar the honey jar is kind of like an offset design with two different um, tips one is a wider tip 
um, that I like to use for more strumming style. And then the other is more pointed, like a jazz style tip. And I really like that for lead play. So that's a real versatile pick that we have. That's pretty different. Um, that one's ace that just for our listeners out there, that one's asymmetrical and you just flip the pick, right? I guess. Yeah. 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 That, yeah that's pretty cool. That's a really neat idea. Yeah. It was pretty, pretty neat little, little pick. That one is I trying to think we, I tried to take, I try to take classic designs and put a little bit, you know, put my stamp on it. I don't want to change it up to be, you know, com- just looking like some crazy piece of art, but I want it to still have this classic look and still be comfortable in the hand because I'm a guitar player. So if it's not usable for me, I don't want anything to do with it. So I try to make everything as, as comfortable and uh, classic looking as I can while still being a little bit different. So who orders like a short fat pick that type of player versus like a thin floppy pick, like versus types of music? Like what, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that, I mean, it changes with everybody because everybody holds a pick different and everybody plays differently. Um, let's take for instance, uh, do you guys know who Corey Wong is? Corey Wong. I don't think so. He's a, uh, He's a new guy coming up, and uh, I really like him. He he plays, but he's really known for his funk playing. Like he he's this very rhythmic, but when he plays, like his wrist is super like floppy and flexible and just going crazy. Somebody like that, you would want you would want them to have a pick that gives with the way that they're using their wrist because they're really digging into the string. You know, they're really getting in there so you would want something a little thinner maybe something that flexes a little bit uh, and a lot of times with that thinner pick you'll get like a percussiveness like a you know mm. instead of like using a thicker pick which is um i like using a thicker uh jazz style tip pick for more lead line stuff so if mm. you got any like rock lead lines or even uh you know, fusion jazz lead lines or whatever that you need to be really fast, but really accurate. I like around a, you know, anywhere between one and a half to three millimeters thick for that with a, a pointed tip. Um, for somebody that wants more of like an acoustic strumming type, type experience, I would probably stick, um, again, it's, it's to preference on the thickness for the player, a little bit thicker, thicker pick will give you more bass response. A thinner pick will be uh, brighter and a little, um, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit more percussive. It just depends on the tip. But I would also use for strumming a, a more rounded tip, kind of like the, uh, if you think of the classic, um, the triangle with the rounded corners or rounded tips. Those are great for acoustic and also the classic teardrop, like the Fender medium or the Tortex, like the Dunlop Tortex picks with a little bit of rounded tip to it. Those are great for strumming. And if you want, if you want something that, um, that gives more bass response, like I said, thicker pick will not only give you more bass response, but also give you more projected volume. So if you take a pick, that's one, if you take a pick, that's like, a 0.76 millimeter and you have the same amount of force and you, you strum and then you take a three millimeter pick and you, the same shape, the same tip and you use the same force to strum, strum the guitar. You're going to have a lot more volume and a lot more bass response. So it feels fuller and it feels like you have more power. And the other great thing about a thicker pick is you don't have to pinch the grip, like with your grip and your, your finger and your thumb, you don't have to pinch that hard. It just kind of stays in your hand and acrylic is naturally grippy anyway, especially when your hands uh, maybe get a little, like a little sweaty or whatever after playing for a while, it sticks really well to your hand. So it's more comfortable for me. It's more comfortable, uh, more accuracy and better tone. And that's why I like a little bit thicker pick, um, but to each his own, you know, yeah, for sure. I just always wonder, it's like, oh, if I'm trying to play like Dick Dale, like what kind of pick should I have? Should it be floppier or harder? What do you say? Definitely like 
to play that kind of thing, like the the surf style, you know, all the way down. A lot of that comes in technique and and whatever it's like if if you're playing like that and you're the type of player that has the floppy the floppy wrist doing that, you might want a thinner pick. But if you're the kind of player that can play those like tremolo picking uh, really fast and really tight, I would go for a thicker pick, probably with a um, a little bit more of a point to it. Right. If you're gonna just kind of rest your hand on the bridge and just like metal style, yeah. I guess, right? I would use it. Yeah. I would yeah. use a little thicker pick with a jazzier tip to do that for me. But that's just from that's just my preference. Somebody might want to use something else. You know, it just it really depends on um, the player. It really does. Yeah, there's this metal guitar player I follow on Instagram, uh, Sammy Pierre Douay. He was in that band Acid Bath, and he's in Goat Whore. Anyway, he just came out with his own picks, and they're like these fat, fat jazz picks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The the metal guys, the metal guys especially love big fat jazz picks, and and one reason, like if I've never been able to do it because I, I'm not a shredder, I'm. I'm the typical blues dad guy, you know, but if you watch them whenever they do the sweep picking and they rake across the strings and rake back, they don't want a pick that gives when they do that. They want it to be exactly accurate when when they go through it. They want to know exactly when it's going through and when it's coming back because they got to pull their fingers off of that string at the exact same time. And it's all about timing. Like metal players are super critical about timing. So they love they love that thicker pick with the jazz tip. Yeah. What kind of picks does Ingve use? I don't know. I don't know. Cuz he he's like so he's like I I saw some weird video where he teaches you how to sweep pick and it's impossible. But <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, Ingve could probably use a Dorito chip. Right, right, just, right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's, yeah. He he he's a whole and he's been around for so long. He was probably using whatever was available when he started. So he probably uses like a Dunlop Tortex or, you know, whatever. One of those yeah. old picks. Well, that's an interesting uh, angle here, like the history of picks. Like, what do you know about, I guess, the, you know, the last 30, 40 years? I'm sure there's been a lot of development, right? I mean, what kind of, there was only a couple companies doing it. Like, uh, how did that work? I, I'm not a historian by it. I can just, I can just tell you what I, what I've seen. Like um, Dunlop has done so many wonderful things for the pit community. I mean, they've they've really they've had really classic shapes that last to this day that people still use. You know, for the longest time, uh, they mandated pretty much that picks were under a millimeter, and but but they also were trying to show they come up with that Tortex because they were going after that tortoise shell um, tone too. That's where that came from because they wanted to use um, something close to tortoiseshell because at that, I guess at that, I don't really know. I'm kind of speaking out of my butt here. I'm just kind of guessing, but I would say that they, they were going after that tortoiseshell tone because at about the same time, that's when the, you could no longer use tortoiseshell or harvest tortoiseshells and things like that. That, that would just make sense to me, but with the nylon and they come out with the Dunlop jazz three shape, that so many artists like Eric Johnson and like, I think uh, Joe Bonamassa uses those and so many like lead lead style electric lead players use. I mean, we owe a lot to Dunlop for all that they did with all the different shapes. Well, with the jazz series that they came out with like those jazz, if you ever pick up the, I, I think they're called jazz tone. I think they're called jazz tones, like the 204 and 205 shapes like that. They're a different material. I think they might be Delrin, but thicker, the thicker you go with Delrin, the warmer everything gets. And a lot of jazz players, if you ever listen to jazz music, the jazz guitar players really go after a, a warm tone. Like if I was to try to play a, a jazz thing, first thing I would do is I would take the tone control on my guitar and I would just take it all the way down. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of those guys just—it's just that straight, you know, mellow, warm, warm tone. So yeah, I mean, I—I I would say we owe a lot to to Dunlop for all the, all that they've done for for picks, you know, and coming up with the different materials that they use. 
Do you guys have any uh, like stores that you sell out of, or is it all through your website? Currently, it's all through the web. Well, that's not exactly true. We sell through the website, and we also sell through. Um, we started out with Etsy, mm, cool, and we still have an Etsy store just in case somebody doesn't know about us and they find us through Etsy. And we still have a few that come through like that, but as soon as they do, I I show them the website, and they usually don't go back to Etsy. The other store that we sell out of is um, I've got a good friend talking about the um, pick community, a good friend over in the UK called John Tron Davidson. And he runs this um, really cool website called heavyrepping.com. And that's, he- let's see, heavyrepping. So H E A V Y R E P P I N G.com. And he's, he is more of the historian of picks. This guy loves picks more than anybody that I know. <laughs> he he has he has thousands, and I'm not even exaggerating. He has thousands of picks, and he is a connoisseur of of all kinds. And he has a very cool um, YouTube channel where he talks about picks. His his uh, website has reviews on picks, and he covers everything from uh, the wholesale, you know, like the Dunlops and fenders all the way up to the guys like me and, and others. But he has a bunch of, uh, boutique stores or boutique makers on his heavy repping store. So definitely check out his website. The other like valuable, like collectible picks. Oh yeah. Like, uh, wow. a lot of the, a lot of picks like the vintage, you know how it reminds me because I used to collect cards when I was a kid and, you know, certain cards, like if you had the Michael Jordan rookie card, you, you know, even when I was a kid, that was worth a lot of money. But there's certain picks like that, um, that if you have some of these picks that were only made in Europe for so long and I don't have any clue on how much they're worth or anything like that. I just know that I don't have enough money to get into that to start that. hobby. <laughs> but yeah, there's, there are some picks by makers back some vintage, like early 1900s that are worth a lot of money. So yeah, that makes sense. They actually have the old tortoiseshell as well, which I guess you can't yeah. really sell. It's like a little, you can, well, I think there's a caveat there. Like if you have, like I know some people that go into antique stores cause they used to make, like combs or like jewelry boxes out of tortoiseshell. And if you buy that and you make guitar picks out of that, you're not harvesting new turtles, turtle shells. I've seen guys go, go to the antique stores and buy that old tortoiseshell and make picks out of it. And that's, that's legal. You just can't do, um, you can't harvest any new turtles, obviously. Well, right, right, right. Gotcha. Yeah. But yeah, that if you want to go buy a tort- a real tortoise shell pick, um, you're looking anywhere from forty to sixty bucks a pop. So, okay, has the pick prices gone up in the pandemic? Would you say? Uh, I haven't seen prices go up really. Um, not really caused by the pandemic. Not not yet. Not right, much. right, and you have had no you've had no problem sourcing. I mean, so I mean, you started the business in in COVID when it first started. Yeah, I guess um, there's enough companies out there that make um, uh, acrylic and things like that that um, it's not been a hard. It's not been something that I've had to worry about. Not like my day job. My day job has just been a nightmare. Try to get anything in, you know, and price increase on every day. I'm I'm a purchase manager, so every day it's like something else I'm finding is not only hard to get, um, but price increased by like thirty percent. Yeah, it's insane. Oh, wow! But then you come home to your business and it's everything's okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is amazing. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, amazing. So that, that works out just fine. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you'll take it. <laughs> do you get the? Is all the stuff from uh, the U.S. or like where do you get most of the the materials? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much almost everything comes from the U.S. So cool, yeah. So it wasn't harder because yeah, stuff shipping containers coming from overseas. That's really where the issue. I think a lot of that yeah. issue lies. 
again, you've talked about you play guitar yourself. Um, and, you know, when you were talking about whether well, playing lead or rhythm, uh, you know, I think it brings up a great point about like using picks as a tool in the studio. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like um, if like if I'm going to play, let's let's say I start out a song with an acoustic guitar, like just like a strumming, strumming acoustic guitar. I will I'll pick up my uh, my J forty my sixty five J forty five which was a that, oh, that's wow. kind of uh, that's a great guitar. Let me let me give the backstory to that. That was pretty cool. So I'm 15 years old, and I'm I'm in jazz band. I'm watching the guitar player in there. I'm like I really want to play guitar because I played saxophone, and my pl- friend played guitar, and I I knew my dad had a guitar in the closet at home. That was my grandpa's before he passed away, and so I asked my dad would you mind if I played that guitar? He's thrilled, you know? Yeah, go ahead, pick up the guitar. So I pick up the guitar and I, I learned to play, you know, I get on back then I was looking at like, do you remember tab crawler? Tabcrawler.com. Probably. So I printed off like a thousand tabs and learned all that. (laughs) But I I learned, like I, I knew the guitar was a, was, it said Gibson on the headstock, but I didn't know anything about it. I was so green and, I didn't really have anybody around me that, you know, could tell me it was worth anything. And come to find out it was a 1965 J45, all original and in in decent shape. And uh, I still have that guitar to this day. And it's it's the one that if the house caught on fire, it's what I'm running out of the house with, you know. Yeah, no, for sure. Family heirloom as well. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. It's priceless to me. But to get back at the at the um, question if I, if I'm starting a song out with acoustic guitar strumming, I'm going to pick probably like a, a two millimeter Hornet size medium, uh, probably out of Kaysen Galileth and, um, and strum that because I know that it's going to give me the projection that I want and the tone that I want coming off. And the Hornet tip is kind of in between a round and a, and a jazz. So it's kind of my, it's my favorite pick that's an in-between. It, it, it'll it do the lead stuff, but it'll also do the the strum stuff really well. So I'll use that. If I come back and um, 90, 90% of the time when I use a bass, I'll use, fa- I'll, you know, finger style with the bass. But I really like, um, I have a honeycomb pick that I had in mind whenever I was thinking of a, a pick to make for bass. And that pick has a, a wide shoulders up top and it comes down to a more rounded tip. And I like that rounded tip because just like your fingers, if you look at your fingers, your fingers are round and it gives that warm tone. Well, a thicker, like a three millimeter uh, honeycomb will give a similar thing, but sometimes you can't play as fast with your fingers as you can to pick. So if I have some fast line stuff on the bass, I'll play, I'll play with the pick. Um, and then when I go to something with a lead line, I like more of a jazz style. So I'll probably go to like the honeybee or the beekeeper. And, uh, again, I like that around three millimeters for, for lead line stuff. Cause I just like that extra accuracy of the thickness pick. It just makes it relaxed in my hand. And I feel like it's just, it feels um, not effortless because I'm not the best player in the world, but I've been playing the same blues licks for so long that they feel effortless now that I can play those, especially with a three millimeter pick compared to like a one millimeter or blow. And so I'll start with that. And I guess it just depends on what I'm going for. You know, it's just like if you're playing a guitar pedal, there's a thousand different tube screamers that you could choose from. Sometimes the the other brand sounds better just because it looks better on the board. You know. <laughs> right. So sometimes I'll pick up a pick and it just inspires me because it looks cool and I'll just play that, you know. So you know, your your eyes play tricks on you as much as your ears do. So just play whatever inspires you. Which of your picks is made out of the, the nut? You can get well, you can get any of my any of my picks made out of the Tagua nut. Oh, you just okay. have to, but the only, the only difference is with Tagua nut is we have to put the grips on it because it's slick and we can't make it under two millimeters mm. because if we make it under two, two millimeters, uh, it's a natural material 
and it is susceptible to change with the um, environment. So if it's in a really humid area or a really dry area, the the material might want to cup or bend out of shape. Oh, if, yeah. we keep, if we keep it at two millimeters, there's no issues. I've even made it down to 1.5 and I've actually made it 1.2 with no issues, but that's not always the case. And I don't want to send out a pick that's going to bend on somebody or get out of shape. So I just keep it at a minimum of two millimeters, but yeah. And that's from your trial and error. It is, it is. And I don't, you know, I don't want to send out there. There's been cases where I've made like case and picks, um, really thin and somebody will get the pick and they'll, they'll break it. And oh, they'll be yeah, like, yeah. you know, and you, you know, these picks take us a long time to make and we're proud of them. We send them out. We want them to be the best that they can be. When a customer breaks a pick, it's awful. So I just tell them, you know, send it back or just keep it. You don't have to send it back and we'll make you a new pick, you know, but I always ask them, how did it happen? Because, I'm curious. I want to know what strings they were using. How were they strumming or were they, you know, running through lead lines and things like that? Because I'm just really curious to know how it broke in their hands. So I take all that information and I try to remember everything and try to make the best picks possible for next time. So. Well, that's amazing, man. I mean, I'm sure uh, it's been pretty far and few between returns of the picks. I, I would imagine. Yeah. Not, we, we've had a few. We've had a few, but every time we've had one break, you know, we replace it. And uh, customer service is obviously like a huge thing for us. Um, being a small business, when we have custom orders, I'm dealing with every single custom order. You're talking directly to me. And um, yeah, if, if a pick breaks uh, for just, you know, regular use or something like that, then we'll replace it. So. And do you offer anything like uh, you say get 10 picks a month or something like that? Oh, like a subscription-based thing? Yeah, yeah. Scott does that over at Stringjoy with strings. Something to think about. You know, I've never thought about that, but that is a good I mean, that's a good marketing idea. That is a pretty pretty cool idea. I guess one difference in that is like a huge difference between like the picks that I sell and the picks that you normally use to play with where a celluloid or nylon or uh, Delrin pick may last you, you know, a couple weeks, depending on how, how long, how much you play, obviously. Um, my pick is going to last, you know, if you get a typical three millimeter acrylic pick, it's going to way outlast, you know, those, those other picks that you're used to. Now, certain players, like if you're, if you're like this really hardcore metal, metal core player, that is just downstroking on the E, you know, for hours <laughs> on in. You're going to wear out a pick no matter what it's in. You know, those guys. And a lot of times they also play super thick strings, you know, like 13s and 14s on the E. And they drop tune and they are just like oh, shredding. Yeah. You know? And if you, think <laughs> of, if you think about it, like those those big strings on the bottom are wound, right? And so if you think about t- like – everybody knows like what a pick scrape is like when they do the pick scrape and they go across. And the reason it makes that sound is because of the, the winds on the string. If you had flat wound strings, it wouldn't do that. So when you play it, when you play your pick across that string, that's what wears your pick out is it's acting like a, it's acting like a really fine file, you know? Right. Yeah. It, yes. Over and over. It's fine. It's filing yeah. down every time you strum. Yeah. So that, I mean, it's just something to think about. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Yeah, I guess jazz players want it smooth. They have the flat wounds. They could probably, their pick could probably last forever. Really doesn't matter to them anyway, because they want that pick to be um, as mellow as possible anyway, most of the time. That's not always true, but most of the time. Right. Yeah, the two ends of the spectrum, I guess we're talking about smooth jazz and hardcore metal, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so this is more than I've ever talked about picks ever. By a lot, <laughs> by like awesome. way more than I've, I've ever talked about. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm thinking about changing it up a little bit. No, I, I gotta, uh, I gotta peruse your website, man. Well, you know, it's, you know, it's kind of like uh, everybody thinks about effects pedals. Everybody, you know, strings aren't thought about as much as pedals are. Um, 
but it's cool just to try something out. And the difference is like if, when you want to try out a new guitar pedal, you're looking at a hundred, 150 to 200 bucks, you know, you want to try out a new guitar pick. It's less than, you know, most of the time it's less than 20 bucks a pick. If you want to try like a boutique pick. Um, so it's not, it's not crazy to get into, you know, it's not near as expensive as collecting pedals is, but it can also change the way you play and your tone and, and everything else. So I think it's important and I think everybody should at least try it. Like you said, the entry point price point is very low considering what we're talking about with gear here, what people pay for tubes and it'd be, you know, more than a pick, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? So, oh yeah. You know, if you want to get down to that, it's a, you know, it's a very uh, easy, easy option to check out, see what's going on. You know, definitely we'll have the links up, man, for so everybody can check out your Instagram, the website and everything, dude. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, man, I appreciate it. This has been fun. I love talking picks. I can talk picks all day long, man. I really appreciate it. No, of course, man. So is there anything uh, you can leave our audience off with, uh, with the future of Honey Picks? Anything new coming up? Uh, we have our... Uh... We have our two-year anniversary coming up on April 18th, and we've got some cool limited edition picks coming out for that that we'll be putting up for sale. And uh, we've got some cool new ideas planned, maybe some new materials planned. And, uh, yeah, just come check us out. The best place to check us out is Instagram. We try to put different stuff up there all the time for everybody to see. If you have custom orders, just message me or send me an email. You can find all that on our website. And uh, yeah, just thanks for checking us out. Thanks for checking out Guitar Picks. And there's more out there, guys and girls, to just, you know, Dunlops and Fenders and everything that you find at the Guitar Center. You know, there's there's a lot more, a lot more to choose from. Rick, thank you again for coming on the show. Folks, links are provided to Honeypick's Instagram and website, so check out all the options, materials, colors, and flavors. And that concludes this week's edition of our interview series here at Sonic Artifacts. Remember to please hit the subscribe button on your favorite streaming platform. Catch us every Tuesday for the best deals in affordable vintage music equipment across America. This is your host, Brian Chalemi, signing off from Manhattan. And your co-host, Max Braun, signing off from Brooklyn. Catch you on Tuesday, folks.